Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Ten Laws Podcast with East Forest. I am said Forester of the East. This week I have a wonderful conversation with my friend Jai Sugrim. Jai was one of our uh, earlier first guests on the podcast and he's he's someone with a lot of energy and chutzpah and just lovely perspective and it was great to be able to have him back on. We actually recorded this one initially. We recorded it and then we actually re-recorded it, which is somewhat rare, but I think Jai felt like he could go deeper and just had some things he wanted to touch on. So we did that. And I think it was, honestly, both times we talked, it was a pretty amazing conversation. And he's someone who just you know, he shares, he's, he's got a vulnerability in the way he shares and an honesty with it and just sort of a fierceness with it. And so I love that. And I think you'll enjoy it too. Before we get into that, I just want to say thanks for everyone who has subscribed and reviewed to the podcast. It really means a lot. Uh, we have a new written review on the iTunes podcast from Mountain Meru. Thank you so much. You say awesome podcast. You gave it five stars. We do appreciate that. It's easy to do. You find your way to the main show page on Apple Podcasts, and you can just tap five stars while I'm yibbering and yabbering right here. Also, just want to let you know that the Ramdas vinyl is back in stock, so we should be shipping that, if not now, within a couple days. And uh, this is the second pressing. It's a black vinyl with the same double vinyl with all the lyrics and the beautiful gatefold packaging. So um, check it out, East Forest. Dot org and hit the store tab and you can see more about that. On the same website, you can pre-register for some of the dates we're trying to put together for some live East Forest ceremony events. And yes, I did say live, like as an actual events. There are a few markets where we're able to do some COVID compliant events in Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, Texas, Texas, Ohio, and Utah. The Salt Lake City date for May 1st is actually that one has tickets you can buy right now. The rest we're haven't picked the date yet. We're just trying to see how much interest there is. So you sort of pre-register. Uh, there's no commitment to do that. Like you can all you you, you well, you'll see. Go to eastforest.org slash tour. And uh, if you want to come to one of those shows, sign up now and you can learn more soon. I hope you're enjoying the hallelujah. S- single the cover i put out um, on the digital service providers as they're called and uh, i appreciate all the messages and sharing of support out there and if you caught my episode with duncan trussell on his podcast duncan trussell family family hour uh, that was that was a lot of fun so if you haven't go over to his show it's got an amazing podcast if you haven't heard of it and uh, give it a listen i think it's episode 420 which I had nothing to do with that kind of planning, I promise. But it's a beautiful day in Boise, Idaho. It hardly feels like winter here because there's no snow on the ground and the sun is shining and I'm a total sun freak. There's something about it. It just fills me up. Like the plant part of me just says yes. And it, it, it seems to fuel all other, all other forms of creative and uh, intellectual and physical activities. So I'm very grateful for that. And I've been very busy and active doing the AMAs with you guys on Sundays on Instagram and working on a lot of projects here in the background. I'm excited to tell you about more soon. But for now, uh, let's get into this conversation with Jai Sugar. In a 
Jai, Jai, thanks for coming back. Back a time people have not heard the first. Well, you've been on the show before, but we recorded a podcast a bit ago. And something in you said, I want to do more. I want to like uh, focus in on that. So we're actually, uh, this is sort of part two. It may become the whole thing probably. Mm-hmm. And just to start there, could you just kind of explain why it is you wanted to dive in again? Like what was going on there? Absolutely. Um, I feel that the work I do is to look deeply into the nature of reality and what I extract from my experiments and my curiosity and my practice. My hope is to only share it to inspire positive change and positive outlook. And I felt the brushstrokes we were using there and the cursory approach around something so sensitive like this time and the way I, I talked about race and the way I did not flow well with the the narrative that is coming through on CNN that is different than the way my parents, for example, are perceiving reality right now. I didn't explain it in a granular way that would inspire some of the kids I worked with. I've devoted Mm -hmm. years of my life working first in Williamsburg in my 20s when it was um, a ghetto before it changed into what it is today. And then again, in Harlem, I got a grant to work with high school kids. And those kids are out of high school now, and they still reach out to me and look up to me as a role model. And listening to that, I didn't want them to get the idea that I wasn't on their side, but I have a responsibility to absolutely question every single thing that's on the mainstream media news. And and so well, in doing that, I want I want to frame it in a way that, hey, this is America. I, I have a right to look at things outside of the, the massive story everyone else has agreed to. And America or not, you're hopefully a free thinker. And on, look, one of the things I enjoy about you, uh, I think back to like when we ran into each other in Europe and we were in Berlin in at some cafe or something. And you were telling a story and you got so excited telling the story, you like stood up started like I mean not many people like you're sitting down just having like coffee sensing the person is so excited they have to pace and gesticulate and stand up to tell the rest of their story and you have a passion in the way you have ideas and you want to communicate them and last time we did the podcast that came through you were you yeah. had a fire in you and I'll tell you what not many people want to that fire to be tamped down frankly like they might, some people, the minorities say they do, but everyone's like, be you and let the fire burn. It's so important to be yourself right now. Trevor, I don't think we're going to get more freedom down the line. This is it. I just did a, I did a vlog where I'm encouraging people to pursue their dreams and to go for being themselves. This is a time where we're talking about surveillance microchips, uh, staying at home and being a consumer in a box and ordering your things in your house. So this is the last stand I feel that we're going to have because of the amount of surveillance technology we have in our society. So to really go for it is important. To have that energy is important. But something 
I'm careful to do at the end of the day when I look at my work is to not create more separation and more division. Even if I'm taking a stand, I want to inspire people, especially young people. So I think most of that fire was there. Um, it's just, I think the responsibility for the kids I worked with was what I was right. thinking about. Well, let's get into it because everyone's yeah. like, we didn't hear what you talked about. <laughs> so who cares? <laughs> so, uh, and I'm going to push back a little bit for the sake of a good conversation. Yeah. All right. So now you, uh, for those who didn't hear the first podcast, uh, describe a bit about who you are and just kind of the world you're in and how that interfaces with what we're going to talk about. Yeah, I uh, have been on the path of serious curiosity um, and luck. I have the, the best <laughs> luck in the universe ever in the history. Dude, I could tell you, I, I may share something that happened the night before Thanksgiving that would cook your noodle. Um, uh, you have to share it at this point, at some point. I know, but I'm worried my ma's going to listen to this and crush me. Like, it's going to crush her if, if I tell... I, I could maybe see, you can't tell a woman to not listen to something. They're going to listen to it. I was thinking, I should say, Ma, this is one you can't hear. But well, maybe it's a story about your friend. It's you a know, story about your friend. friend. No, you do have that good friend you could tell a story crazy about. Crazy stuff. So, you know, I was lucky enough. I, I read an influential book as a kid in college um, called Finding Flow by Mikhail Csikszentmihalyi, and basically Indians claw their way out of the third world to become doctors, lawyers, or Wall Street bankers. You can't be anything else, okay? So I read this book, and it influenced me so deeply to align with my interests. I'm lucky I didn't go through two or three careers before I found what I'm doing now. I just went right out of the gate, took a huge risk when no one was a personal trainer, uh, I started there. I got into massage therapy. I got into neuro-linguistic programming and coaching. And then I got into yoga and meditation and shamanism. And each step of the way, the previous modality and science that entailed uh, mastery of the craft built on the next one all the way to where I am now, which I think I'm just working with people to adjust their behavior and the lens at which they're looking at reality so they can prioritize what's more most important, like things that are less important shouldn't come at the cost of things which are not so important. So what's most important now is um, this breath that we're sharing now, dude. It's so precious to me. I had a third near-death experience. The first podcast I did with you, I talked about the slow one-year grind with an infection from the jungle. Mm -hmm. Like that's a different thing to watch your body decay and rot in a hole for a year. And then your face start to rot and your throat start to rot and you're getting nosebleeds because your body is falling apart. That was a different grind. Um, once before that, I had a slide on a motorcycle sideways in India where my life flashed before me. It was a risky move that I did. And the bigger vehicle always wins in India. Don't ever try to test that. Um, I made <laughs> really always in India, usually elsewhere too. Yeah. yeah. The bigger vehicle. So, and then, um, I had a, a crazy experience. So I, um, I fast, I water fast, um, four times a year and I was really due. And usually, man, I'm so good about it. I structure it. I stay in. It's super spiritual to restrict, you know, food and sex are two things 
you work with deeply uh, if you're interested in in altered states, if you're interested in not letting your desires run your life all the time, when you restrict those two energies, you harness a lot of energy and knowledge. And the fasting has a lot of physical healing in it. So it's a normal part of my practice. I've been through it many times. But on this one, I picked the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And I was not humble. I did not lay in bed. I did not hunker down and just read and meditate and pray and chant and sing. I went about my life. I saw, I taught five yoga, four yoga classes. I drove down the road. I saw a client one-on-one in person here. uh, And I did all my chores and I, I thought I had got the hang of it. And I was, it was a little bit like, oh, I've run through this. I was overconfident, more confident than I should have been. And I did the dumbest thing. One of the dumbest things I've ever done. I decide to go grocery shopping a half hour away on the 70th hour. I'm going to break it at the 72nd hour. And I'm a little dehydrated and, you know, I felt confident, but I lost my memory four miles from the accident on the way home with an hour left, I lose my memory and I wake up in an ambulance. Oh my God. Right. And I'm like fully with it. Not a scratch on me. Everyone's on my side. It was the most compressed trauma I've ever been through. Like it was flawless. It was so perfect. Boom. In 20 minutes, I'm on the, in the hospital. Boom. In a half hour, I'm in an Uber. I go back to the car, get my groceries. Another half hour. <laughs> I'm back home by 10, and I've totaled the car. And what, what happened? Do you know? I could have. Dude, I could have evaporated. Look at this. Fasting. Fasting. Yeah. Fasting. And I could have been gone in the other dimension on the fast. Mm-hmm. Just cleansed. It's so... You blew it. No, I know. So I'm like the energy. So there's been a few times in life, right? Where you have to, it's one thing to know a teaching. And I I really want to get into at some point, if tonight's not the night with you, I'll talk to you another night about the deep knowing, like when you, when you, your understanding is experiential, but there's moments in life where you have to fucking eat your teaching and live your teaching. When your skin's rotting and you look at your leg and there's a hole in it and it's decaying and leaking tissue, you got to live. We are not the body. We're not the mind, especially when you've been traveling all over the world to share that teaching in meditations with people directly, right? The, the level of, companionship I have with death and Shiva mantra, your, your avatar is probably different than mine. The, the one who is God with form is probably different than mine. I hold Shiva close to me and chant every day, Om Namah Shivaya. There's communities that I see where I don't say, hello, Trevor. I say, Om Namah Shivaya. How are you, Trevor? That's how I connect. And my, my memory is so deep that I'm constantly aware of what I'm looking at. But that has never been, it's been about 10 days. And I feel, dude, this is really weird. In asanas, I use my hands to adjust people, right? I, I rotate the rib cage, stabilize the lower back, and lengthen the torso forward. If they're rooted and they have a sense of connection to mula bandha inside and they have the tension in their body and I can feel it, I adjust their energy. This fucking car crash 
adjusted my bones and knocked some BS back out of me to the point of like, it, it was a cosmic adjustment. It was powerful. I think it was positive. It's a mind job that I could have evaporated fasting. I, I, I reached the goal. The 72nd hour, I could have disappeared and transcended this whole plane. I I'm feel assuming no one else was hurt, like you hit a tree or something? Fortunately, again, it's the best compressed experience. It's like, boom, all of it happened. One, two, three, four. It's all a wrap. You know, now I'm dealing with the, the car and insurance stuff, but it's more of the compression of how it happened and how it adjusted me. I feel in a positive way, something has been knocked off. Something is, it's a really deep, close, definite brush with death. And it's live your teaching again, live, become your teaching. What, what, how precious is life? Like it's hard to, um, when you're doing branding and messaging at scale with products as I've created, you know, I've been advised by experts like masters of the universe in advertising. Make it easy, make it gentle, make it accessible, make it easy, make the teaching easy, make the programs easy. But, but the program at a certain point is very raw and very direct. When you are telling people and, and you have the power and knowledge and energy of the shaman, the wisdom of the shaman, the shaman is concerned. I study text. I'm a scholar of text because they provide a metaphysics and a framework for actual experience. But the shaman is interested in direct experience, right? They bring those texts to life in their heart, in their non-dual perception of reality. This, this is really aligning so deeply with the principle of how liberating life can be when we understand our death, when we understand how temporary this is. So I don't veer very far from that. It's just been a huge reminder and a holy cow. Am I still grateful to be here? Am I still grateful to yeah, have this sure. conversation? It's completely crazy. And it, it, the timing with the fast is what makes it wild. It would have been a masterful death to evaporate with no yeah, knowledge. It's an amazing synchronicity. And I'm glad you're still here, brother. And uh, a lot of times the kind of things we need to make change are near-death experiences, bankruptcies, divorces. Uh, these are the classic psychological pushes that are set up on campus earth to really push us to the next thing. And you could say we're going through that as a people, a kind of bankruptcy, perhaps literal, but also spiritual or emotional and perhaps even a, a literal near-death experience for some people such as yourself or others, and a collective one as well. So I want to key into how this, what that teaching is that you feel more in tune with, and I want to get back into, you know, how that echoes the larger things at play that it's going on right now. Because we talked a lot about that last time, and I think that's valuable to yeah. get into you were you seem to have a, before maybe you don't have it as much now you tell me a lot of concern about what's happening and sort of ways that you know to navigate it and some people you're talking to and working with yeah i'm deeply concerned about certain things i, I want to revert back to the teaching and then get into yeah. that what i'm what i'm concerned about is um you know it, <laughs> i wanted to channel the energy of death, but in a positive way, in a way, in a liberating way, the, the energy mm -hmm. of 
We're seeing the death, I believe, of certain things and certain ways in our societies, in our society. And maybe those are opportunities like, for example, freedom of speech, which we'll get to in a minute. That That's deeply, deeply, deeply disturbing to me. Um, but I deal with it in a way. You guys say more. What do you mean? Freedom of speech as a as a thing? Or... Yeah, as a thing, as, as an actual thing right now. But I don't. I want to first get back to the teaching, so we we keep a thread, and then I'll follow into freedom of speech okay. and what's being clamped down on. But so the ma- mantra Om Namah Shivaya is the basic one. I'll chant at least 108 every day. Then the Maha Jaya mantra is uh, another Shiva mantra related to death. So basically, Shiva devotees, uh, a mantra, when it gets that deeply imprinted in you, is passed from a master who has unlocked the power of the mantra for themselves through, through the lineage they've come through. So they have chanted requisite repetitions to have it in their memory. So it teaches them and they are one with it. And it's been transmitted. So my teacher is a very, very powerful shaman that's also rooted in the Vedic system. So he connects yoga and shamanism perfectly as a discipline. So the practice is a way of sitting in ceremony and before ceremony and the days around ceremony, after ceremony, we do worship to Shiva to train the mind through the symbol symbols of Shiva, like the lingam, uh, the, the three lines of ash, uh, all of the symbology, the, the trishula, to understand that we are living in a temporary reality, that we're here for a little while. And what is most important is to align with our spiritual nature and to get all of our strength and all of our resources from that place. So what it looks like is your pain is actually something you can learn from, your difficulties, your shortcomings, as you've mentioned, dissolution of your marriage, the changes in your work situation, if your income goes down, like those are opportunities that if you hold them close enough to you, have insight and can be transformed. So to look at the difficulties as something you don't freak out around, and particularly the one about non-attachment to your body, the embracing the idea of death. So the the second Yoga Sutra says, yoga is the cessation of the fluctuations of mind. Basically, when you don't have thought in your mind, there is yoga. Well, you've never had thought in your mind. What is that like? That's, That's death. That's not Trevor. Trevor is not there. If there's no thoughts in your mind, you don't exist. So people... Think of it as tidy and neat or empty your mind, take out the trash. But on the level that I'm practicing all the time is to really get very intimate with that process. And I was reminded by that upfront, intimately, very closely by the car crash that just happened. And it became super vivid and super real that, holy crap, what are my dreams? The government has been taking away our freedoms little by little by little by little each year. There's less room to move. What the hell am I here to do? And how am I going to do that now? It invigorated me to drop my feet into the earth and say, what are my dreams? What do I want from this? What message do I want to give to people? How can I transmit what I've acquired from digging since age 13 to now, since surrendering years and years under masters to learn? What am I now generating to give back? And there's a passion underneath that 
because of the Shiva consciousness, the consciousness of like salutations to death, salutations to change, transformation, change to the body, change in job, all pain is an opportunity. So that is very, very, very vivid right now. Okay. Um, what you were just saying, the government taking away. Our, yeah. Like what? Like okay. even more specific? So I feel, uh, I feel um, divisions in friendships, divisions in families, divisions Over politics. In, yeah. In converse, in, in not being able our culture has become so polarized and I feel a new religious class has sprung up in the sense that the conversations are now where the oppressed are encouraged to become the oppressor. Their warfare, I believe, is kinetic last. It turns into narrative warfare. We, we have weapons of exponential destructive power at our fingertips and many countries have them so the warfare that we're encountering is destabilization economic warfare and narrative warfare through dividing people and right now in our country there are hashtags that you cannot use or you'll get fired there are things you cannot say you cannot look at a woman for a certain amount of time in the eyes at nbc or you get fired there's a lot of things that are happening that are very unnatural and very much one group policing the other group. And I've had it happen in my media where people start offering their criticism and unsolicited feedback. And you know, you've talked last time about, well, some of that is trolling. You have to ignore some of it you, you, when you do this type all of, of it. <laughs> it's yeah. all trolling. I mean, it's also a subset of our, of our people. That's very small. I mean, frankly, if you're not connected into social media or some of these elite intellectual circles, like most Americans or even people in the world, it is not part of their world at all. Like, I don't really even feel it's the government. I feel like it's more this polarization that's happening, perhaps partially because of technology and social media and Google and YouTube and these things that are creating deeper and deeper reality tunnels for each of us. That's making us all the things that make us feel more separate, that, that they disempower the remembrance of our connection and our natural sense of community. But I don't feel like a part of that's human nature but it's been exacerbated by a multitude of factors. And we're seeing, like that polarization is a symptom. You know, it's, it's sort of, I think it, it can't last. And I, I feel like we went off the deep end with it. I don't know this last year, mid year. Uh, and we're sort of self-correcting a bit. I don't know about you. Maybe that's just my perspective, not being in a major metropolis right now. I'm sure in New York, it's different. Uh, yeah, it's it's what's disturbing is um, my family got granted access to the U.S. through political asylum in the end, but we fled our country because of dictatorship and my father's involvement with the military at a very high level, as and also training with the British SAS, and he's finally granted um, asylum in, in Vancouver, in Canada, so they live in Vancouver. But we, we, we know what it's like to be made an example of. The, the 
freedom of speech, Trevor, around around a conversation as important as race, we must not have one group of people completely afraid to have a logical discussion that's stereoscopic and brings up many different points of view. We can't have a limited point of view on it because these, when bad ideas get traction and folks with these bad ideas are in positions of power, it starts to affect policy. And the policy mm-hmm. is where it's going to get haywire if we rush to focus on how intensely divide. I would say um, in this country that black and white people are uh, economically going to be very even soon. And, and I think it should, the conversation around race can't be the oppressed, you know, becoming the, the oppressor. We can't, it can't be switched. I think we have to jump and move forward. Where does it go if we start to go back in history? Where do you stop if you begin going revising history? What country do you stop with that? Do you start in the European countries? There's no end to going back and rewriting history in the sense that I feel like the people at that time did what they, they, they knew. We fought the Civil War once. Many people died for it. We're yeah, it's history's complicated, written by yeah. the victors, and of course we could go back, and I'm sure all history could be. Uh, well, first off, a lot of it we don't know, frankly. You know, the longer you yeah. go back, it gets to be a guessing game. But I, I feel that uh, a lot of this is this kind of yin yang energy, don't you think? Where it's, 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 it's flipping around the us versus them, and in some ways, it's a natural response to someone who's been beaten down if you hand them like you know the nazis all suddenly are in war camps now there's going to be some anger at them and maybe some cruelty and and some fire and part of me is like i get that and that doesn't make it right or wrong but that fire needs to burn out as a it's a form of like when i'm in an argument with someone that person maybe just needs to get it out and then we can talk and and I can't rush that process. It's, it's sort of a process of grief in a way. Um, and it, I just don't think something there's something there about we're trying to rush a process to say like, hey, you know, because I'm on board with you that like it's very dangerous to shut down conversation. We need to be able to talk. They're just words, you know, at the end of the day, it's just words and just ideas. And we need to be able to be in conversation and share them. If people say you need to be reeducated, so to speak, like you need to educate yourself. It's like, this is how you do it. You talk about it. <laughs> you, know, you figure out your blind spots. You, you're not always going to agree and that's okay. I mean, that's the essence of community and, and being a country is that we coexist while not all agreeing on the same thing. We find compromise. We find common ground. We say like, well, I'm getting a little bit of this. You're getting a little bit of that. I don't like all of that. You don't like all of this. And that's okay. Yeah. That's how it always is. How, how we how we tell our stories are important because there wasn't one human on the face of the earth that thought George Floyd got what he deserved. Not one that I've mm-hmm. heard. Yet it sparked some really intense protests. And I think that was connected a lot to 
people being pent up over coronavirus and not knowing what's coming next and not knowing what's going to happen to the dear economy that we're all threaded to. But for not one person to agree that everyone said that that was a horrific thing. And we do have certain portions of the police department that are really messed up guys that are underpaid and that are not mentally healthy people. They're bad guys. Some, some of the bad guys are on the force. But to you need to get your goddamn language right if you want me on board with your movement. Everybody tells me that it's, no, 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 it's not defund the police. What it is is this. Well, no, and the hashtag is incorrect. If the hashtag creates separation, I'm not on board with the movement. I have a right in America where I live to not be forced to use that or to get on board with the movement and to approach a movement with that much separation and that much violence behind it, yes, there's frustration. I see people that have come here in, in my house and that are like, they live in homes that are paid off and safe and in the middle of the woods. And they're like, I don't care if they burn this whole country down. It's about the enraged and inflamed and angry. And, the, and the, the violence is the way forward. They're doing this from the safety of their own homes while black neighborhoods are getting ravished, black neighborhoods that I worked in, that resources and shops and small businesses there get burned down. While these guys are supporting this kind of a movement from the safety of their big mansion in the woods. Something's off with the storytelling. Trevor, it has to do with weaponizing minds. The Shah of Iran in the 70s realized how much power and fear can be struck in the hearts of the public with a suicide bomber. And it became a lethal weapon to fight huge armies with. And we, I believe, are beginning to see the weaponization of human beings in America for some of these causes, like all cops are bad. I think we're seeing, I hope you're right. I hope like since civil war didn't break out from the election, I hope that this whole thing starts to turn and we start to reconnect with one another from all the polarization. But the stories we're telling ourselves and the stories we're telling our kids and the way we tell kids that they have been victimized and they identify as a victim, I think that's a, a very serious form of child abuse to, to take on the victim mentality. I think it shouldn't have to be that a kid has to work harder, start behind the eight ball and work harder to get there. But we should focus and teach the kids to do what they can that is within their control to move forward and to not take the identity of a victim. So I can't say sure. I agree with uh, the woke ideology at all. It doesn't sit well with me. It's very disturbing and it's very extreme uh, and it's very Wait. religious. It's very illogical. Some of it's very illogical. Do you, do you have to identify with it? I mean, it seems to be a far fringe. I mean, like most people, it's getting traction. That's, that's what's you feel like it's encroaching upon your work and your life in a sense, like literally, like it's, there's, 
I have a feeling you're saying that some of the work you're putting out publicly is is literally entering into these micro battles digitally. With my work is about how we make our beliefs and how our beliefs structure our life and how we. I'm basically saying, is life coming from us? Or is it coming at us? I think we're co-creating it. We're generating. What's that? I feel like it's a conversation. A, a, you know, it's a, you put things out, it reverberates back. It's a feedback system. It's a feedback system. If you're paying attention, it's, it's autopilot. Yeah. If you're not paying attention. And then you feel like a victim. Yeah. 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 If you're not yeah. paying attention. So I'm in the game of perception, right? Mm -hmm. I'm in the game of variable perception, perhaps saying that Trevor's first choice may not be the best choice. Maybe if he can think of a few other ways of perceiving and if perceiving things from, from the emptiness behind them and the pure possibility. So when an idea like this country is founded on racism, is racist, needs to be broken down, this right now, you're looking at the best country on the planet still, the last free, really good free country on the planet where creativity soars. You know, if we tear this down because we believe it's racist, we have to really be careful about those stories that create a mass hypnosis. And, and that's where to say I'm outside of it. <clears throat> I live on a, a 10 acre farm. I just moved out of New York City in, in March. It feels like higher ground if that's where one needs to be in, in these times. Okay. But it's it's disturbing. I still go back to New York. I see what people who I care about who come in here and have conversations with me. I'm trying to learn to have the conversations in a way to, to find out how they arrived at their conclusions and where are the facts. And that's what we're living through is what makes this time difficult is, look, I want to I spent two hours practicing in front of the fire there every morning. I want to do fun things as well. But how much time are we going to spend weeding through the disinformation to find the information and weed through the horseshit that's on the popular media that is narrative warfare and weaponized content? So that I is the, never, maybe the biggest problem. It's you know, a is huge information problem. war. Yeah. Info war. And that's that's could be um, foreign state sponsored some of it. But it's really intense to see the the division, especially around. So I look at it from like, how far are we from totalitarianism? A prerequisite of a, 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 a democracy is a basal level of education and a basal level of coherence. The event that we did, um, we've done a bunch, but you tap into what I'm doing, I tap into what you're doing, and 70 people are in a room, 75 people, flowing in the present moment, in the deep now, transcending time and space to find something inside of themselves that's poetic and beautiful and meaningful. And the coherence that we create, like I'm interested in coherence. We have completely come out of coherence in this country. We have so many news channels and so many opinions and so many different ideas in our head that we're setting the stage where it gets concerning. I, I approach it now like as walking alongside my fear and I embrace whatever is to happen. But it's it's disturbing that people, normal, hardworking, good people 
have to shut up and not speak their true opinions. They can't speak openly with people publicly or on their feeds about what's truly going on for them around critical issues. We can't cohere. But the last time we talked, we're doing this over because of your own concern about you speaking freely. Yeah, that is, that is a, it's a, it's a, it's a catch 22, right? So you want to speak freely. The responsibility I have in speaking freely is to explain, explain it granularly back to these beliefs about what I believe are internal, eternal truths, things that you can't dance your way around. The, the outside is variable and flexible. The things that are deeply at the essence is what unites all of us. That coherence is where I feel comfortable digging into teaching, rolling up my sleeves and getting involved in. I defer to other people who are able to weed through the info wars and cohere and try to fact check and make sense of what's going on. And a difficult thing to make sense is coronavirus. Very, very difficult with the data, the facts, reasoning, weeding past the fear. Are, are we handling it properly, right? So that to sit there and be an expert on, is, I may be wrong, but I have a right to look at the data from what I understand about virology and make an intelligent decision that hopefully doesn't hurt others. But I think we have a problem with coherence. And, yeah. and we do have a problem <laughs> with community, with, with yeah. coming together. Um, look, we, I think it would be best if, and you're going to feel better about this conversation if we then take it to the next logical step, which is, I think we can agree yeah. that we're in this time of turmoil and there are, there are some serious problems out there. And a lot of people on this listeners of this podcast are aware of some of those. Um, so what, do, how do we work with this? You know, is it becomes the essential issue. And, uh, but I want to dive into like what you're doing about it personally, like how you're navigating and maybe how this relates to the revelations you had with your accident recently, recently, and how you're walking your walk. Okay. Um, I'm taking risks. I'm taking all the risks I was afraid to. I've sped up the rate at which I have to share these deeper truths that people can cohere with. I have practices that make chemicals endogenously to create deeper perception of who you are inside. That part of the coherence factor, I feel like we could create more peace if we understood ourselves better. And we have a mm -hmm. massive disease of not understanding who we are personally. And then that, if that could be scaled in society, that that would be a beginning point or one of the points through which we could better make sense of the outside world. Yeah, because we're looking to the outside world to make sense of our internal world. It's sort of fl flip-flopped. We're lost in the sauce and suffering has increased tremendously. So what am I doing? Um, I speak to some badass motherfuckers. I'm most impressed by good-hearted military men I was raised by a military man, and as I've gotten older, I've learned to respect and under. And your father, what f part of the force was your father in? He was in the army, but he was in Vietnam. He was drafted. He was an officer in artillery. Okay, so he wasn't a career military guy. Just okay. Yeah. So she, Shiva principle is embodied very deeply 
in The Warrior, the warrior has a resolute acceptance of death. They say things like my friend Kurt said to me. He said, I decided to die on the day I'm going to die, not before. And it freed me so much because the defund the police action, I laughed so hard when I heard that at first. I was like, oh my God, that's a bad idea. That's not going to get any traction. There's no way there's people out there that don't want to have police. And then you started seeing the funding cut and you started seeing in New York City, you can be booked for a crime and just release. They're not keeping the the, the fear of disorder because I grew up with some some bad cats, man, bad cats that are not allowed to be in society anymore. They're put away for life. I've seen what evil is very close. I've been exposed to the full spectrum of human emotions and potential for good and bad at a very young age. And disorder and lawlessness scare me. They they upset me. They're very disheartening. And so I've been communicating with people on the warrior level and drawing some of that energy into my body to completely accept wherever this goes, it's my karma and it's fine. And that there's going to be a lot of good that comes from as much destruction as we create. The human spirit is adaptable. It is able to soar through adversity. Our ancestors survived ice ages, pole shifts, and then you and I are still here. The genome yeah. has been spiraling through time. So there's going to be good no matter what. So by talking, I have a few friends um, that are retired SEALs and ex-military guys, and I connect with them for guidance and to channel that energy of resolute acceptance of whatever is going on and positive action. So how can I show up in a positive way for my community? And also the the idea of speeding up like, the freedom to live my dreams, like t- getting the money raised for what I'm creating, getting the content that I have out through the channels that ne- it needs to get out to, to not slow down the process of going for what it is I'm truly here to do. So I draw energy from the warriors. I wake up and my practice has been such a, you know, I've gone back to it with a complete beginner's mind in the sense that I'm digging really early into the morning to discipline myself more than I ever have before and to suck more hours out of the day. So it's something in me that says, go for it, go for the creativity, go express the way you want to express it, give your work to the world and don't play into like, I started analyzing, you know, like if I speak my mind authentically How much trouble can the wokesters get me into? And it's really something that I'm sitting with. Like, I don't go to an office. It's not a corporate job. I do it by myself. And I think I'm pretty clear to to speak from a place that aligns with reality and and that there is a reality out here that we share. The the (laughs) postmodern thinking, Trevor, doesn't need to make sense. Okay. It doesn't need to make sense. What matters is feelings. And my job is to smash your goddamn identity into 10,000 pieces. Don't bring it up here. Like you're a victim and you, you, you're entitled to a lot of things because of your identity. I'm not going to fully believe it. I'm going to say, yes, you've had a difficult time, but you are more, I'm going to train you 
to be more than your identity. And I'm going to be hard about it. And I'm going to be very direct about it. I'm not going to play in and pander to your sense of being so victimized. I know what's behind that. What's behind that is the need for attention. We live in, we are apes in a hierarchical system that when you're a low ranking ape, if there's anything you can do to get attention, and I've seen this with sick people, they will stay sick. They will stay in the hospital because it's the way they receive love from their family. And they will yeah, now people not have been, heal. They've been given different tools for attention. We all have the weapon of social media yeah. to, to wield. And it's even better when it's mostly anonymous. Uh, so we've given a, we've given a, you know, a hammer or an ax or a gun as a way of saying, look at me and people are wielding it in very unconscious ways. I mean, yeah. look, you know, Tristan Harris, and yes. I, I've crossed paths with him. And I think I can attribute this phrase to him, but I've said it a lot in my ceremonies that your attention is your currency. And not just economically, which is, it is very true in that sense, but spiritually, uh, it is the mechanism by which you enter doorways of consciousness and the mechanism by which you navigate your way through this world, the physical, the seen and the unseen. And people are not fully grokking that to recognize the freedom it can bring them and also how they can uh, really flourish as because they're being taken advantage on the other side of it when they're not fully aware of what that means to them. And no one can change that for you. You can't really get an app that filters or anything like that. It really comes down to self-awareness and understanding not just what you actually look at. That's a big part of it. And the information you put in, as you mentioned, uh, but also how you think in your own mind, the privacy of your heart. Uh, that's the real work. Mm -hmm. there's no other show and so the kind of change we need to see yeah we see I, I try to touch on this before that the symptoms are there with government actions and policy and division and polarization but at the end of the day it's going to happen from the inside out from the individual out and so i believe that kind of work we can do where we're helping people get in touch and educate themselves about their own inner life and having those felt experiences and understanding how to listen and how to know is critical work. Critical work. It's it's listening to yourself. So we we what's going to be primal right now is the sense of community. So how how do I create a sense of community? Who am I? And what do I offer? What do I offer to myself to my community? What I'm urging people to do is to control the variables that they can control. How much rest you get? How, how much food you're eating? Are you eating the right foods? Are you taking care of your business in the way that you can take care of it? Are you taking care of your loved ones in the way you can take care of them? Are you deciding how much news to ingest or is the cycle on all day long and you're ingesting thought viruses. Now, these are variables within your control, and you got to put your energy and attention to what you can control while you, you allow the government to sort of, you're going to vote in the way locally and, and more state and more at the higher level for the president in the way that you feel creates the most harmony and the most um, 
in line with your values, but you can't get lost in this craziness. It's very easy. You know, we're locked up in our homes right now. The laws are like this, stand up, sit down, sit down, stand up, sit up. You don't know what's next. These rules, Christmas might be canceled, right? Don't go home. We're really suggesting that already. Um, you're being told to wear a mask with your families in Pennsylvania on Thanksgiving. Okay. Um, it's, it's a very confining time to get caught up in the ocean of craziness that's going on and lose the variables that are within your control. By working with the variables that are within your control, you can maybe get grounded and stay sane. The cycle that is on all day long on the news is a programming. And I'm very, very aware of hypnosis. Um, first, on the therapeutic level, I've studied hypnosis deeply through NLP and Ericksonian hypnosis for the purpose of healing and using language to reframe situations. And this mastery of it to hijack the back of the brain to with fear so that you can now spend on products. Like we have become hackable. We have variable systems and the variable systems, the more variable they are, the more easier it is for a hacker to get in and program us. So people understand exactly how, you know, you can, where our eye movements are being recorded, where our mouse hovers is being recorded. The amount of mm -hmm. data on us out there is incredible we, we the algorithm yeah. may know us better than we know ourselves. do you know i was thinking about that movie minority report where does there's this magical precogs that can see the future but i'm like what if that's really just the precogs it's just an ai that's so good like it knows so much about everyone for so long it actually can predict the future dude which we're you there. arguably, arguably it does already. I'm just yeah, saying, but so well that it's like 99.9% .9 of the time it's correct. And therefore we use it in all sorts of crazy ways to predict the future. Listen to this one. I have friends in tech. I'm fascinated by why I'm speeding up my work is I believe we have to answer some really serious AI questions and put some stops in now or else it's going to get completely out of control. So this one's really funny. I, I, uh, my friend, literally, we were on the phone on a call, and he told me, "Yeah, so we have the technology exists now through text and pictures to for an AI to scramble all that information. Soon, it's going to come to video. They, they're they're close to discovering how to do it with video. But basically, I was uh, talking to my girlfriend on the phone." about the dog needing to have its teeth cleaned and his breath smells really bad. The next day I have an ad. Sorry that, to hear uh, that. Yeah. You heard it? <laughs> no, I said, I'm sorry to hear that. The same color of the dog, the same markings and all the reasons in a blog for why I should use their service. It was, it was totally made up to fit me and sway me and my purchasing power in that direction. And that's going to be done with video very soon. It's not, it hasn't been cracked yet. It can be done already with text and pictures. So this is the kind of thing we're up against. And it's only going to get more powerful when the phones start going inside of our body and when everyone starts getting chipped. 
and our neurons get hooked <laughs> up to chips. <laughs> uh, you know what I have to say? If we had the chip right now, I'd say good luck getting uh, even 50% of Americans getting chipped. They will not vaccinate. I mean, people have a streak of individualism that we are underestimating that is in full display right now. Praise as far as God. people saying, go fuck yourself. You know, I mean, praise God. I'm just saying, like, I, I don't see a near future where people are signing up to give away more. Although... I find it slightly ironic about everyone's dystopian predictions about what's happening right now uh, with vaccines or whatnot or chips. And I'm like, I said, where have you been the last 10 years since the iPhone was invented? We've had the greatest spy device that you pay, you pay for it and you take it everywhere with you voluntarily. And we were told what's going on by Edward Snowden, uh, Chelsea Manning and others. And we all just kind of shrug and say, well, here we are, I need it. And for some reason that didn't, or the the Patriot Act, right? These things didn't tip the balance in such a meaningful way, but suddenly perhaps uh, things have just gotten bad enough with the pandemic and so forth that more people are feeling those pressures. But it's not new. That's where we started with the reduction of freedom. I've been thinking, 2001, I'm not going to get into the conspiracy theory about it, but when the towers fell in the way they fell and the gold disappeared from seven, I thought it was a litmus test of my spiritual intelligence. And I don't have any hardcore facts. It was just when I woke up to applying my knowledge of hypnosis to screening the news and looking at my mind as a gate and saying, okay, which ideas do I want to let in? Like you're stimulating me right now. I might reflect on some of these ideas and one or two of them could start to get wired deep inside of myself and then enrich the world that I'm looking at. But I screen information constantly because that was a time where I had to wake up and you can see the catalytic effect of iPhones, the Patriot Patriot Act, and now the woke ideology. And now this narrative around race to where white people can't open their mouth and discuss the topic at all in a factual, logical way, even though the policies we make around it are going to affect them. And this is oppressive. This is very, very dangerous territory. This is the grounds for a, a communist dictatorship, particularly when IQ is not developed enough and we're out of coherence. Those are this is why the the freedom of speech, if you're in a position as we are, we're not at a corporation to encourage people to, to look at their inner life, look at their outer life, make more sense, cohere, teach them how to build community, teach them that they should control, work on the things they can control. These are the times where Trevor it's the last little window I feel. And that's why I feel motivated to super go for it Great. and to, to let it completely rip. Because it's, can you imagine 10 years? Do you, do you think you're going to have more freedom in 2030? Who are you? Are you kidding me? Unless like you're, you're giving me some hope here. You're saying, oh, we won't take it. We, we do have an individualistic streak. We're, we are going to back, back up and stand up. Yeah, I'd like to I'd like to see that, but it just seems like more people are agreeing what's next. So I have been told by my 
teacher of mine, Court Johnson, who is the voice of Ten Laws, who is this sort of soothsayer up in the hills uh, who doesn't care much about what other people think, he describes this time as us going over a bell curve where we're moving from young souls into mature souls and we're moving into a time of introspection. And I've heard this in other teachings too. And he calls it, this is an interesting analogy, like yeast in bread. It's a very small additive, but it makes the whole loaf rive. Like we don't need everybody, so to speak, to quote unquote, wake up and be fully realized in this moment. But, and there's a lot of good people out there. There's good people everywhere, uh, millions of them in, in the billions that we have on this planet. And that's what's required in sort of like the transition point we're in where it's like just enough to make the loaf rise. And it's an introspective energy that's this inevitable sort of in-breath, what was previously an exhale in a sense over thousands of years. Now we're moving into the beginning stages of, of looking inward. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the surrender to it that that implies and the fact that the cycle is natural that's beautiful um but i look Mm -hmm. at it through some other lenses too um which are where we are as a science i'm curious before i launch into that do you see yourself as a teacher or how do you frame what you do i frame um I'm a teacher um, and I'm sharing something and I'm interested in how ideas get to become beliefs. I'm I'm training people to steer themselves by finding something inside of themselves. Do you, do you see yourself as a teacher or a channel or a musician? How do you (laughs) share, frame what you're doing, your work? I, I, I don't know. I, do, I don't try to put many labels on, but I'm constantly forced to do that. And I, I have described it as being a teacher and I also just being an artist. Um, but I am more than anything interested in giving people direct experiences and essentially tools and experiences for them to do their own work, for them to have their own self-revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm guiding that, right? I'm just sort of guiding that process. Yeah. So even in ceremony, I see myself really as a, a guide. Yeah. Um, more than anything else. That's beautiful. I, so listening to, to your point of view of your teacher, Trev, we're in a, a point where we are, the hand of God is right here. So we're in, in the time of being, maybe maybe I can't frame exactly why it's a fourth dimension or fifth dimensional shift, but I can say things that are on the burner. Like we have finally transcended the mind. We have never transcended the mind before. This, the printing press gave us many versions of the Bible and different reasons for war. The, the steam engine and oil, then subsequently oil allowed us to deliver more food and have a population explosion. And, and we transcended muscle. Tractors allowed us to stop tilling the soil with our hands so much. So we are now transcending our mind so that when the machine looks at the fracture in my sternum, the machine is better and can scan 300,000 bone scans to reference its opinion on what's going on with my sternum better than a human doctor. So we're right. in a really crazy era where for a few hundred bucks, you can switch on gene expression and have gills in your head. This is the, the technology of CRISPR, which is yeah. at our fingertips. We, we are at a special, crazy time that 
what it means to be a human, you're you're going to see speciation. You're going to see the Indian LeBron James. You're going to see us design ourselves. You're going to see out-of-body fertilization. It's all starting right now. The, the, the transcending our mind is where we become a gray and we go into space and we start seeding planets. This is what we, this is what we're going to do. So how the work you and I do and that your teacher, the Sioux Indian is doing is to look at us and use this incredible technology of consciousness and technology of plant medicine and the technology of yogic techniques to, to say, how are we going to design ourselves? Because we are clunky. We are goofy. We've had a trauma from our father or a sexual abuse, and it affects us for our whole life. Well, Elon Musk wants to erase that trauma with a chip and implant the perfect childhood. How do we handle that? That's where I, we are. That's where we I, are now. Yeah. It's um, exciting. But I think I think what's more exciting to me is the psychedelic research. And like, if you want to deal with that trauma, work with MDMA therapy or psilocybin therapy, or whatever, ketamine therapy, all the things coming online in a big way, I think is re- is like much more of a real healing uh, much more of looking inward in a way and a felt experience that I think could never be replicated by any sort of VR or right. any other technological experience. But how much control do we have <clears throat> over that? Right. That that's where that that this is. It's going back to ideas, the narrative, and the stories we tell ourselves, and the coherence. Without that. I have been training billionaires and people on the Forbes 400 since I'm 20 years old. I've been doing that job and I've been living in a radical universe of my own creation my whole life. I'm the most non-corporate person ever. I've never had to step in a corporation. But what you learn about the game of power is that it's asymmetrical. Billionaire wealth has gone up 22% since COVID. You and I are having a hard time mobilizing, but we found a way to, to catch it and make it better. You've been growing a lot since you freed up from your management. I've had a lot of insights with being forced to go digital. I can scale and reach to so many more people than I was doing in person. So some of us are adapting to it, but it's a time of still what your friend is saying and your teacher is saying is these are... They're using the techniques of the ancients. They're using wisdom traditions. They're using maps left by masters. The Buddha left a map. He left a technique, a single technique sure. called Vipassana, that if you do it, can heal all psychic disease. But you know what? You have to get up and meditate one hour in the morning and one hour at night. It takes effort. It takes, it takes consistent motivation from your teacher to do something that disciplined. And it's, it's not easy for someone who's suffering and at a, a level of trying to pay their bills to carve out two hours a day to do that. So I think we're in a very tricky time where people like you and I should do our best to use the modalities that we know and to be forthright. But you're now getting into the tech space with gadgets that you're wearing to, that monitor your your waves the the muse headband <laughs> is one of them mm -hmm. and tells yeah. you when you're in and out of the zone we're merging with tech in a really big way and i believe the power is not 
in our hands as much as it is in a few people's hands. There's a really big asymmetry in power, particularly when you see how much influence the tech companies have had over the election and how that space can be purchased, not all by American interests. Well, I don't want to get off course too much with that, but I do want to say that like things like tech and these tools, I don't think it's... uh, one or the other. I think it's a both end. It's just like a hammer can kill someone or build a house. I just think we're kind of young kids doing really poorly with a lot of these tools. But some of those meditation tools, if they work for you to teach you what it means to be tapped in, perhaps that's a faster route. Yeah. You know, a mushroom is a kind of technology. It's just one that grows out of the ground. And yeah. all these things we're making, like iPhones and computers, they all come from constituent parts of the earth. We just put them together to do crazy shit with them. And I, so I, I don't think it's all bad, but I do think we're quickly losing our way because we're sort of shooting a main line into our nervous system without really fully eyes wide open about what we're doing and mm-hmm. what it's doing to us. And I think, again, these, these symptoms of division and polarization is the result of that. It's part of it. Uh, and the depression and the suicides and the addiction uh, look, everyone wants to be happy. And I think deep down they want to get along because they know that's a better way to be happy than to be at war deep down. Uh, but we get very lost on how to return to God. For some people, mm-hmm. that's heroin. For some people, that's yoga. For some people, it's Monday night football, mm-hmm. um, whether it's, they know it or not. Yeah, it's, it's, it's to feel as much love for yourself and others as possible. I think that's the deepest healer at the end of the most powerful internal experience in the non-dual states I've touched is the energy of love and acceptance and that you're on a long, long journey transmigrating the ocean of birth and death for experience. And it always teaches me as hard as they are to be a good person, to be kinder, to try to listen a little more, to help a little more. I'm involved in connections. I have webs of connections to people that are so powerful and I've been up close to the game of power, that the, the power that you and I have is to help people connect to each other. That's the type of power that I want to be focusing on. But I do believe, I mean, you made an interesting point when I talked to you last time about, yeah, maybe it's just an utter confusion and there's no one in control. Or maybe it's a handful of really crazy people that want to rule the world right now. I think that's entirely possible because of the asymmetrical nature of power. These people are getting more powerful at a time where we have less chance. They're saying, don't connect, stay apart, isolate. And more money is flowing into Jeff Bezos' direction. He's got the butterfly net out. And his wealth is increasing. That's true. And it also doesn't mean that he's pulling the strings. I I think that you're right. There's incredible influence, incredible influence and incredible power. And I also think things like Trump shows you the emperor has no clothes. It's like the ship kept going, even though it was led by essentially nothing. (laughs) You know, just like complete absurdity and an amorphous fire. And somehow, oh, wait, look. It just keeps going. It's like there's really no one in charge. There's just a collective agreement. Yeah. And, and and there's incredible jiggery going on and people shifting billions and billions and trillions of dollars to themselves because they can. And we have, you're right, Wall Street, 
One of my favorite quotes about Wall Street is that it's just like a graph that shows the emotions of rich people. Like it's <laughs> it's not connected to anything in the real world. It's not even real numbers. There's just numbers in computers. Like it doesn't, there's no commodity tech really attached to it. It's not creating any physical meaning or wealth in our world, except for a very, very small group of people feeling better about their lives because they're getting richer. Yeah. I, I believe we're in a war, Trevor. Uh, it's a very, very serious war. And the territory is the space between our ears. And the people fighting the war realize that that's the space that has to be occupied. So it goes back to my teaching. It goes it goes back to the idea that the way to fight the war is for you and I to connect deeper with each other, for the neighbors to connect deeper with each other, for the community I'm building to connect deeply around the energy of love <clears throat> that I'm channeling. That's how you fight the war. The war is intense and it's very serious and it's very planned and it's very strategic. And you've got a whole bunch of crazy ideas coming from uh, six families, six, six people that control and own, own the media in America. And that is a very big amount of responsibility that we're placing in the hands of a few people. That's dangerous. So I think anything that that's why we have to go to the hashtags. The, the right hashtag is that all lives matter. And it's not it's not you, it's not white supremacist. You can't point the finger. It is loka samasta sukino bhavantu. It's everybody's life matter. My life matters from the car accident. Your life matters. Everybody's life matter. It's time to hold hands. If you are telling me I can't use that and I have to use the one that creates more separation and keeps half the people out of the conversation, I'm not going to walk down that road and you can't cancel me. You can try. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to say that that's what it is when it creates more division and no matter what. I'm, and I'm, I've experienced racism directly. I have really good strategies because of my training to deal with it and luck and perseverance and getting love and, 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 and loving people and knowing that racism is a little bit natural, that they just need to be familiar and then this will erode once we have an experience and to not take someone else's violence personally, that it's okay. You know, like it's, a, it's ideas. This is, this is the war zone and it's a war on consciousness. You can not smoke this plant. You cannot grow it in your backyard, but you can consume as much alcohol as you want. Go for it. Yeah, I, it's more ignorance than malice to me. But uh, look, of course, of course, all lives matter Yeah, in the literal sense. But these, again, are words. They're symbols. And the, what it represents at this moment in time has changed. It's been co-opted by a group. And now it means something else. That's all. That phrase means something else than what it literally means in the same way we say gay and it means you're homosexual versus happy. I mean, right. And, and you, I, it's, it's like uh, a partner cheats on the other and, and one needs to say how it was your fault, partner A's fault and partner A is saying, well, it's, you know, let's be honest, it's both our faults. They're not ready for that. <laughs> right. You know, it's like, you got to just take it. And I think right now we're seeing a great pendulum shift 
because the powerless didn't have power have some power and they're wielding it in ways that maybe doesn't feel logical or right. And right. I'm not saying it is, uh, but, and that's why there is a madness to saying, look, these are the great spiritual teachings. You can't tell me that's racist. It's like, no, we yeah. got to let the loosen the grip on that for now. Uh, it, there's a kind of madness that's just happening with, with certain people because of their own traumas and their own pain and their own, it is what it is. It goes back uh, to, to the devotion to truth, to, to saying it is loka samasta, and it is this, and this is the teaching, and you can take it or leave it. I'm not going to play into the confusion. I, I can't. It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable if you are pursuing the true nature of reality. I feel people are making the chemicals in their body if they're willing to put the effort if they want to take psilocybin, they can have the answer. They can experience the true nature of reality. If they want to put their heel in their belly and breathe five times and then jump back and do that through a sequence of postures I've designed for 90 minutes, they can also feel the oneness of being. They're different paths. But I have to be devoted to creating coherence and experiential coherence past the ideological manipulative language that is being used on purpose. They're being used on purpose. Uh, you know, You're this doing is not it. accident. It's You're not doing it. And for yeah. some people, they have a car accident and it wakes them up. Yeah. Uh, like, like you had. Uh, it. The soul sets up the lesson until you learn. Yeah. It's, so, it's, an, it's, it's happening. It's, it's, it's just messy. It's me that is, that's what's beautiful about settling into it. And that's where I draw strength from the military guys and to what it means to be a spiritual warrior is not to have the spiritual warrior writing across your chest on a t-shirt, but to know that you're on a very narrow razor's edge and you can fall down at any moment and you must be humble. And at any moment, you're always back to square one. That's the path of the spiritual warrior and acceptance of the potential of death at any moment. And the military guys, man, have embraced this to the max. And that's been helping me stay grounded and to con continue to do good work. We can hold the truths for others, even if we don't fully believe in it in ourselves. We need to be the mirrors and the witnesses for everyone else, for the reality we know that can manifest in front of us, that is manifesting in front of us. Despite like all of this tumult, and fear and confusion and hatred is the skin coming off. Mm -hmm. Like it's so it's sort of like you, you need to hold that light to, uh, of the, the, the truth that you know, that you've experienced in all the different ways you've mentioned, including the accident you just recently had to say like, it's like a child that's kicking and screaming have a tantrum. You can't speak logic to them. You just hold them closer and wait and because you have the wisdom to know this is all part of a natural process and I'll do my best to guide it. But I'm, A, I'm not in control and, and B, there's a perfection to its unfolding. And, I, and you, can, you can see, I know you can see it happening too. And so many other people can't. They're completely lost in, in the happening, but there's a becoming at the same time. Yeah. And that's important uh, to, to sort of radiate that. And it's not always going to be in a hashtag. It's just going to be in how you look at someone in the eyes a lot of the times. I, I agree. It's the way you, it's your being and it's doing what you can within your sphere of influence. Um, 
a lot of it is also with chaos comes the opportunity to reprogram the mind. In NLP, we call it a scramble pattern. Um, some hypnotists use what's called a confusion pattern. Basically, it's like putting fog here and then sliding the idea right past your cognitive mind into your corpus callosum, into your subconscious mind to affect your emotions to create a positive change. So I think you're right in the sense I don't like the word privileged. I'm going to use a different word for it. <laughs> but I have the privilege or I'm blessed enough to sit here on a 10-acre farm in nature with 21 chickens and a dog and a house full of food and a couple of shotguns to, to be here, <laughs> blessed to be here and wait it out. The suffering that is happening in the neighborhoods, the, the, the families that are on the verge of homelessness, to accept it as part of their karma and to roll up my sleeves and volunteer and give what I can and go down and get involved at the level that I can get involved in and to allow all of the craziness to happen, that's a spiritual practice unto itself. That's a deep concentration unto itself. And that's a wisdom I have to come to within myself at the highest level to detach and accept where I am and allow it to go a little bonkers because some of it is completely bonkers. But those are opportunities, like you're saying, like there's going to be beauty coming out of it. This is a chance to reprogram. This is maybe where we figure out, are billionaires too costly to have? Like a billion food tickets? A billion food tickets. These are very hard, uh, yeah. complicated situations. And yeah. uh, it's what we do. I mean, if you were God and you had to devise all of this, you're like, I'm going to make up a, a campus for us to incarnate in the whole universe. Would it not be just as it is, which is the most epic, most hilarious, most profane, most sacred, most beautiful, most creative, endless thing you could ever imagine? And it's exactly what it is. Like, it, <laughs> there is nothing crazier I could ever think of than this. The humor... Everything, it, man. And then you and then on top of that, you look out with your own ocular telescopes and yeah. then you can see billions of more of it. You know, it's just yeah. and you'll never get out there. It's impossibly large, like impossibly <laughs> large. Even the nearest planets to us are impossibly far away. Of course, it would be that way. It's, you know, let alone you see a rainbow. And it's just like, OK, all right, I get it. It's just it's all just I mean. There's so much in front of our face and we're so lost in the, in, in the journey. The map has become the territory. Yeah. And it's just like, look, these are tough times. They are. We are grieving. We are going through some very difficult situations. I don't have the answers. No one does. But you keep walking, you keep breathing, you keep trying. And, and maybe you find your North Star. Maybe that has to do with love or inclusivity or taking risk. Only you know what that is for you. And I... I I'm discovering that for myself every day too. And I know every, and I, I'm just trying to give people situations and tools that maybe I trust that they'll find that too. But I know it comes from an internal truth. I know it comes from uh, themselves. It's not going to be a top down, you know, the government's not going to fix it for us. No, no. That, that was the last piece of information I put out is that the government will not give you more freedom later to take it now. But here's what's crazy about this time is the exponential speed and rate of change. Like to, the intragenerational change 
did not, the amount of intergenerational change going on now is so much faster and so much more than what our previous generations have experienced. So what the world's going to look like in our lifetime of 2050 is going to be radical, like this AI I just told you about that's going to create a video ad to steer me in the direction of its purchasing, you know, algorithm direction that it wants me to go. That's, that's, we never had that before. It was just like, which mango do you want? Uh, three, these three vendors at the market. We are having choices that, like, what are you going to do when the VR world gets as good as this world? That's going to happen. <laughs> that's going to happen. Yeah, it, it, it isn't, it, sure. And I don't know. We'll, we'll cross we'll the bridge. And we'll, we'll just do it when we do it. I don't know what to say other than like, your individual choice becomes everything. And it already is that. It just becomes more obvious yeah. that so, that's your power. I don't want to cling to being an organic human my whole life. Why I'm holding off. So so I will hold off on the first round of the vaccines unless it's mandatory. Um, I will hold off on the first iPhone that goes into the optic nerve. And I'll hold off on the till the third generation of the Neuralink chip that gets approved for the public. Mm -hmm. I, I think there's going to be quirky interfaces with our technology. So I don't want to be that guy. Who's <laughs> there already old. is. Yeah, there, there already is. <laughs> yeah, social but, media. Yeah. Social media. The, the <laughs> monster. It's quirky. Social, quirky. <laughs> um, so I don't want to be goofy, but to your point of how wacky it's getting, I think it's organic and synthetic and mind bending possibilities with AI that we are going to, it's going to make our world look completely crazy. We're going to discover, I have friends in uh, genetics and stem cell research, dude, they're, the diseases aging is going to transform. Like the diseases were going to, they can cure, they're going to cure blindness soon. Macular mm -hmm. degeneration, like the, the things we are on the verge of finding cures for and, and, how to grow bones and heart cells like this is it's it's such a wacky exciting time like in india you ride through india and you're like this kid has never been to the next village no one's been to the next village much less the next state over much less the next country and the amount of traveling you and i were able to do in our lifetime the generation before that would be more expensive it would be harder it would be a little more dangerous but we zipped all over the planet. And so the, the options that are available, we're redefining our experience here and it's godlike and it's magical, but the amount of love and cohesion that would be nice to bring every long, everyone along on the ride just isn't there. So that's the letting go and allowing, allowing it to be whatever it can. And again, back to what variables can you control? Oh, you're trying to make more love. You're trying to make more coherence. You have a path with your sound through vibration and through the plants, through, through the fungi. Everyone has a way of adding to that. But it's such a wacky time. And I, this conversation is getting me to like, okay, let go, use the scramble pattern, plant good ideas. You know, I'm not on the tech side. I can't. I can't comment on, I have guys who help me understand the stops we need to put in so we have a say in the technological advance that's coming. 
But um, some of it looks wacky based on what we're discovering about the genome, how to alter our genome. Um, and also, I want to share with you uh, some people I'm tapped into doing. This is really ironic. They're getting <laughs> funding to study frequency at such a high level. You, you know all of this. These are tools you work with. Sound to heal diseases and to, to stimulate frequency within the body. Like it's getting so fascinating. So, so what's weird about this time is, yes, there's an evil consolidation of power and resources, but there's also like radically wild healing technologies that are coming out and healing of yeah, disease. Yeah, that's what like, I'm saying. Double-edged it's sword. All it's happening it's at a both once. end. It's a both end, man. Yeah. It's it's a crazy time, and it, <laughs> there's always endless things to talk about. But uh, I feel like we did a pretty good job of stirring the pot and uh, yeah. poking our finger in a few eyes, which is always means we're doing something right. Um, yeah, is it how's it feel to you? You never told us your Thanksgiving story. I don't think your mom would make it this far if you want to tell it. No, it was the accident. Oh, that's it? Yeah, my mom- She doesn't lost, know about it? She lost her son, her youngest son, in a motorcycle accident, has had a few other tragedies with other kids. And I'm like- uh, Okay. Her great hope for having a civilized, good-hearted could, part of her lineage- Lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they finally accepted what I do for a living, and they can finally speak about it as a, as a reflection of their success. And- when she hears stuff like that, she might get into a panic that I literally was driving. And then from driving, I woke up in an ambulance and then I was in the hospital and then I was back home and then the car is totaled and I could have evaporated into the ether without knowing it. She would be scary like scary for a mom. It's scary no for a mom, but it's, you know, it's part of, um, you know, the, the learning that each day is precious. Not one of us knows which is our last day. So what are you, what are you doing? What are you spreading? Your, your choice of words are a vibration. The way you treat others is a vibration. Your mornings are setting the tone for the vibration for your whole day. So it's precious. Like the breath I'm sharing with you now is precious. Every moment is precious. Like I'm crazy excited to get up and work tomorrow morning and, and create like just, I feel like so lucky, so lucky to have another day. You're blessed and privileged, bro. I'm privileged. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm, I need I'm, you to speak to that and and give us a disclaimer about your. No, never mind. No, uh, just, it's crazy times with it's crazy times with language. The, the, it's surreal. Nobody can tell what's real anymore because of the way we're using language. It's it's, it's wacky times. Well, we'll do it again sometime. Uh, how Absolutely. do people interface with you in your uh, world? Primarily, everything I do is on uh, jaisugram.com. I have all the practices, uh, products there in a store. Um, a store is coming soon, and I have uh, things on Instagram, um, programs that I do, challenges. I have a New Year retreat, a 12-day virtual retreat. You get an ebook with links and practices that are totally about restoring your energy and consolidating power in your subtle body and the wisdom you get from the practice to try to ingrain it in the memory. I think we're, we're teaching people about memory, how to remember 
who they are and to live from that space as best as they can during crazy, wacky times. Good. Well, thank you, Jai. I appreciate sharing the space again with you. And uh, we'll do it again. Yeah, man. This was mind-opening. Thank you. Thanks, Jai. Awesome to talk. Always good to hear the stories and uh, what wonderful stories they are. But I'm sure we'll have him back. I always enjoy his perspective and getting a chance to touch base. This song that you're hearing in the background is called Tiny Choices, and it is from the Karen album featuring Keith Sweaty. Keith Sweaty was the electronic producer who helped me out with this record, and we co-produced it together. Uh, He is responsible for a lot of the drum programming and, and... I'm responsible for the singing. Most people think it says featuring, so they're like, oh, that's Keith singing. But no, that's me singing. And anyway, but I like this song. It, it sort of was, uh, came out of left field a little bit, and it feels like a little concise story with the metaphor, and it fits nicely into like a lot of what I've been talking about in the East Forest Ceremony concerts, about grabbing the, the wheel of the ship of your life, picking those stars that you want to point the direction in and heading off. But you can hear this album in full along with all the other music wherever you listen to music or at eastforest.org. That's also where you can sign up for the newsletter if you want to know about shows in your area or guests we're doing or like launching our Patreon and soon and just if you want to get in on things early. Well, my friends, thank you so much for listening. I'll, I'll catch you next week. Thanks for reviewing. Thanks for subscribing and sharing and saying hello on the social media. And we'll catch you next week. Keep walking your walk. Don't take any shit. But if you do, you know what to do. Do it with